you. Why? Because grace, we want to find mercy here. We always find mercy. Let us never forget that, Lord. Let us never forget that. You are ever merciful. The blood is what causes us to have access. So we have no right here except for what you've done for us. It's all mercy. So we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. We thank you to open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we might receive your word, uh, embrace it, act on it, make it a part of us, live your word, because it's good for us. It'll bless us and help us all the years of our life. So we thank you for that opportunity, Father. And we bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So um, today we're going to talk about uh, hath God said. Hath God said. Hath God said. Amen. Hath God said. And really it, it's so that we can uh, analyze doubt, and know where, when it comes in and, and how it comes in, how subtle it is. Uh, But the thing you need to know that entertaining doubt can be devastating. So you need to know why entertaining doubt can be devastating. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, we'll start there. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Many times when uh, when when things are spoken to us, we have a mental filter through which we hear things. I can tell Miss Avis I love her, and and uh, you know it's just a statement of fact. You got me. Uh, If somebody else hears that. I can get 10 different, if I ask 10 people, I get 10 different interpretations as to what I meant by that. Got me? Well, I meant I love her. But see, your mental filter will try and, what's that about? Mm, What does she mean? Does that mean she didn't love her before and now she all of a sudden loves her? Huh? You got me? So we all have what I call, you know, mental filters or... Or um, And it, it sometimes it'll depend on the mood you're in. Sometimes your filter is off. Sometimes it's switched on. Or sometimes if somebody doesn't love Miss Avis, then they mad at me. If she knew what this lady did, you understand what I'm saying? So there's always this background noise that wants to add to the conversation. Amen. So we have to be careful that we're listening to the spirit of God dwelling inside of us instead of background noise when we when we do things. And, and there are ways to deal with background noise. Everybody has it. Uh, we're all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. There are some, some thought patterns and thought, thought modes that we carry with us. And they don't leave quickly. You got me? They hang around for a while. Sometimes if you get yourself uh, messed up, uh, in in controversy and strife and anger, say somebody offends you and you uh, it prolongs and it goes on and on and on and you can't really just shake it. Everything you hear will be heard through the filter of offense. And so you have to make sure that you clean your filter, you know, as often as possible. Amen. Amen. And 
And God has, has given us the blood and life of his son to make sure we can live in harmony with everybody. That's, that's your guarantee that you don't have to have enemies. You don't have to live in the, the victim mentality where everybody's against you and nobody wants you to prosper. And well, if God is for you, who can be against you? You got me? So you have to live in that realm of faith where you know it's all good. You know, God woke me up this morning. God saved me. God is my father. God has made provision for me. He's no respecter of persons. What he gives to the Copelands, he'll give to me. What he gives to the person sitting next to me, he'll give to me. In fact, those people are not my enemies. and I'm not jealous of them. They're my inspiration to know that God is going to help me. You got me? And so a healthy Christian mindset sees sees yourself as a recipient of the goodness of God and not somebody who is always suspicious of God, suspicious of his motives. Is he really going to do this? So the enemy comes in to cast doubt on your covenant with God. Got me? God's word is his bond. His word is his covenant. His word is his guarantee. There's, there's a difference between God's word and the words, any other words that are spoken down here on earth. God's word is eternal. When he says something, he don't have to take it back. Amen. When he says something, he doesn't have to do something different. Amen. So what the enemy does is he keeps us teetering on this edge of hath God said in other words did God really promise you that did you hear God right or maybe you're mistaken I don't know if he really told you he was going to do that for you huh and so he begins to cast doubt in 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 every area that he can cast it do you hear accurately from God if you're one of these persons that's always looking at somebody who's a preacher or knows the word as being superior and you're less than they are, you're going to think I don't hear correctly. There's something wrong with my, well, you can read. If you can't hear, you can read. Well, I don't know if I read it in the Bible. Is it for me? Did you want it? Huh? Did it sound good to you? Huh? Do you get a witness in your spirit? Huh? Did you put it out there and ask God to make sure that if that's you, God, can you confirm that to me? Did you talk to God about it? Huh? Or are you just going through the Bible shopping? Huh? See, if you have relationship, you'll know if, if that person means it or not. When our parents would tell us things, we knew it's all daddy, you know. We knew daddy was just talking. But then there were times daddy would talk. We knew he was telling us the truth. So if you have relationship, you know what that person means. You know what they said. You know if they have integrity with you. That You know if they just play with you a lot or if they're going to really do what they say they're going to do. You know, if you're like me, I don't like a lot of games about, you know, you tell me you're going to do something, I'm going to hold you to it. You got me? Because I want you to hold me to things that I tell you. I don't tell people things just to say I'm going to do it and, and not get it done. And so a relationship then is extremely important 
in understanding the integrity of a, a person's words. And in, in God's case, he is a God of high integrity. His words never fail. His, if, that's, if the sun comes up this morning, God's alive and his word is still good. Amen. It's still good. So you can take it to the bank if, you, if there are certain things that have... Is your heart beating? Huh? Are you breathing? Well, then God's still alive and you can take his word to the bank. So we never have occasion to doubt what God has told us. And we must get to the point where we have confidence and what God has spoken to us. You've got to have confidence in that. You've got to understand that God's way of helping us is through relationship and through his word. When we have his word, we have something solid to base our confidence on. Without God's word, you don't have anything solid to base your confidence on. You know, for many, many years, for black people in this country, it was illegal for us to learn to read and write. But that didn't stop you from getting what you needed from God. Huh? You know, we, we had a strong gift, many of us, in, in remembering things and reciting oral history. My dad was like that. He could tell you all the batting statistics of all the baseball players, and he knew their records. He knew all the, the, uh, the team records, all of that stuff with real, very little effort. It was just a gift that he had that he was able to remember great things. Well, you don't think that gift is there by accident. When God sees you being deprived of something, he'll make sure you get it. He said, y'all don't need to read. I just, <laughs> I just give somebody with the ability to recite everything all the time. He would recite scriptures to all, us all the time. And I said, oh, boy. You know, it was like one of those things. You know, daddy would get drunk and you heard the Bible from, you know. <laughs> other, other dads get drunk and say other things, but they, that's what he had. Amen. <laughs> so, praise God. <laughs> but God knows how to, to talk to you. He knows we ain't going to read that Bible that much anyway. Huh? We're going to listen to somebody else. Because we want to have a lot of people talking to us. Find out what you think about it. Find out, you know, we nosy little people. And so he knows. And that, again, that's relationship. Amen. My advice to anybody is in, in, in your life, keep people in your life of high spiritual, you know, attainment. You know, people who take God seriously, take the word seriously. Don't play around with the word, even if you do. You got me? You know, people, it's amazing. People in the world know how to keep good people around them. They really, really do. Uh, 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 President George W. Bush, a a younger one, uh, was asked one time how he was successful. He was a successful governor, businessman. He owned, um, who did he sold that team? Texas Rangers? Yeah, a new new team he invested in. Sold that team for a lot of money when he got out to run for president because he didn't want all those encumbrances and, and personal things to do. But somebody asked him once how he was there. You know, they used to make fun of him. He graduated with a C average. He was the average guy. And he said, I have the ability 
to listen when people talk and I'm able to draw people around me who are highly qualified to do the things that I need help with getting done. You got me? So your circle of friends and the people you surround yourself with is extremely important for your spiritual integrity. Where we fall down is we don't take advantage of what people have to offer us. When, and see, that's a whole nother sermon I don't want to go into. But if there's some person, a person around you, especially you have a pastor, an overseer, somebody in your life with high moral integrity, high spiritual integrity, don't be afraid to listen to their counsel and quit fighting what they tell you to do. You got me? Because you'll be held accountable for rejecting the counsel of God. See, this is why things never get any better in some people's lives. They're around the right things, but they don't let it feed into them the way it's supposed to. You got me? Somehow we think we're always uh, fighting everybody. You know, you just got to defend yourself. You know, your filter turns on and and everybody's after you for some reason. What's wrong with you? Nobody likes you. Huh? Maybe you just need to go home one day and look in the mirror and say, well, is it my hair? Is it my... You give yourself the sniff test, whatever you need to do. But find out what it is about you that makes you such a, a, a worthless no-gooder. You understand what I'm saying? And ask God to help you with that and just go on and live life and enjoy what he puts around you. Learn how to partake of what God has surrounded you with. I tell people all the time, I say, I don't have a lot of preacher friends. I don't need a lot of the people I learn from are all dead. I wish they were alive so I could ask them questions. You know, I have to go and find the readings of people who had uh, healing ministries and and those kinds, because that's what I'm interested in. That's what God's called me to do. And that's what I have to learn. You got me? So I don't fight with them. I don't fuss with them. I just go read their stuff. We never fall out. You got me? But it would be nice if there were people around with that level of interest in the supernatural power of God so you could draw from them. But there's there's never that many of them. Amen. And so we can learn from the ones who are around us. Keep yourself with people of high moral integrity and draw from them. Don't close the door to their counsel. You do it to your own hurt. And so uh, as, as Eve was standing there listening to the serpent, she did not have to engage in conversation with him. And this is the thing you need to know about all of this stuff. You don't have to entertain conversations that draw you away from what God says. The other thing, if you don't need a confirmation, don't go seeking one. If you're solid and if you got to be a person of integrity, you can't be fishing out there, you know, just fishing. A lot of this stuff that people do, uh, you know, well, I'm waiting on God to confirm so and so and such and such. Well, if you need that, ask God for it. It's nobody else's business but you and God. You got me? You know, the exception being somebody who's over you and the Lord. You know, people get stupid about oversight and get crazy about uh, pastors. Your pastor is not here to hurt you. They're not here to condemn you or harm you because you know when you've done wrong. You know when you're wrong. 
Amen. And they're there to help you. They know when you're wrong too. So they're there to help you get right, not pick on you because you just screwed up again. I'm going to say that again. You know, because people hurt themselves. You know, don't keep, uh, keep the devil in your prayer closet. You know, you got secrets with him, and I don't want nobody to know this. And if somebody asks me, I'm not going to say nothing. And always got some kind of little dirty secret that you don't want. Everybody knows anyway. You understand what I'm saying? They pray for you. If somebody prays for you and God tells them what to pray for, they know you got trouble in that area. So let's get, let's get to getting. Let's not be stupid, okay? The only person that's trying to hide it is you. And so when we when we understand these things and we understand the help that God has for us, we'll understand how to converse in these things so we don't lose our confidence in God. We don't step out there and make mistakes because we're running from the truth. And we don't confide in the wrong person because we think because they're a friend of ours, we can talk to them about anything. There are certain people you don't talk to. We had a, remember the uh, 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 Sister Bunny, she's passed away now, so I can mention her name. But she, she told us when she was in the world, she would always talk to her girlfriends about their husbands or their boyfriends. She said, and I usually wound up flirting with them and sleeping with them because they just sound so good to me when we talk about them. You'll never know who you're talking to. You understand me? There's certain conversations you don't have with anybody. She broke up more people's relationships and marriages and stuff, you know, just because she could, I guess. But if she got in a conversation with you about your man, he's gone. You got me? That's the cleanup woman. And so... <laughs> Is it true? You can't talk to everybody about every. Are you kidding me? Every conversation you get into is potential warfare. You got to see it that way. You're a child of God. You're here trying to protect what God has invested in you. You're trying to protect your future, your 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 children and grandchildren, your integrity. All that you got a lot to protect. You just can't go mouthing off to about anything praise god i remember avis when when we were going down to you were driving me down to toledo for those years i remember i we had a conversation and avis was saying that there was some girl that she either worked with or knew or had run into somewhere and she was she had a conversation where she was just talking and Ava said I pulled her aside I said honey you can't talk like this don't let people know you know and I thought to myself I said now that was wisdom trying to help this little nutty person you understand what I'm saying I mean sometimes as a believer you got good sense that you can impart I can remember when I was a sinner people would tell me things all the time that helped me you understand what I'm saying? It's not for the church and for, quote, unquote, witnessing to somebody. But we need to teach people how to guard their hearts, guard your conversation. The Bible says Mary saw these things and pondered them in her heart. She didn't tell nobody about her son. She wanted him to get where God wanted him to be. He probably did some very extraordinary things when he was a child. He's probably a very bright child. She could have gone and bragged to all the women in the neighborhood about how wonderful he was. 
But the Bible says she kept those things and pondered them in her heart. You have to you have to be careful about your conversation. Make sure there's a point to your conversation and you know why you're talking. Huh? Many times we don't know. Huh? <laughs> Everybody wants to tell when they get blessed and when they got something. But when trouble comes to your door, you don't want nobody to know that. Something's not right. Huh? So we have to be careful about our conversations, folks. Careful about If I, as your pastor, ask you about something, it's because I'm interested in your success in it. I'm not trying to, you know, grow up. You know, you're not that important. Really, seriously. I mean, I wouldn't, why would I go to hell because I'm, I'm after you trying to make your life bad? Okay. It's heaven or hell for me, folks. It's, you know, I'm either obedient to God and a person of integrity or I'm not. And so we have to understand these things. You know, when, when people are concerned about you, they are genuinely concerned about you. It's, it's not about what you think it's about. You ain't that important. So here Eve is talking to the serpent. Hath God, yea, hath God said. So here it depends on where he emphasized what? Every tree? You sure every tree? You can't eat out of... You should, in other words, the implication is you should be able to eat off every tree that's in there. Huh? I mean, if God if God means you well, you should be able to do whatever you want to in Jesus' name. <laughs> Isn't that what that young man said about his wife? She, she was showing her, her uh, decolleté, declo, as they say. Um. Because I ain't going to say a gutter word, you know, the better words to use, but uh, and somebody called her on it, you know, in a, on a TV interview. And he stepped in and, oh, boy. And, it, and see, people who don't understand godly husband, oh, he taking care of his woman. He ain't doing nothing. He pimping her. Because, see, we done seen this before. Huh? Some of these brothers so ruthless that, you know, you'd be like Cookie doing 17 years. These brothers is ruthless. They'll take all the money, get them the best lawyer, and you get the court appointed and go do your time. You understand what I'm saying? You can't let a man, I don't care if it is your husband, you can't let him speak over your life without the word of God, without integrity. And without holding you a high, to a higher standard of holiness. You don't know what the devil might prompt somebody to do. I don't care who they are. Husband, wife, child, whatever. You know, you, you have to look at every conversation for the content of it. And you have to, to treat it. If it's an enemy conversation, you've got to treat it like an enemy conversation. I don't care who's speaking it. You don't have to fight people. You don't have to fall out with people. You don't have to go, but you have to cast that conversation down. You've got a file where you keep everything. You've got a discard file. And if it's something that's challenging your integrity, challenging your faith in God, challenging what God's called you to do, challenging anything of your relationship with God, that thing must be cast down. You got me? 
Satan likes to inject doubt into our minds to cause confusion as to what God told us. So the first first weapon he uses against us is confusion. Hath God said? And did you, in, in if you stand there and listen to it, doubt will come into your mind. You'll say, "Well, I want. Well, let me see if I heard that right. Maybe God didn't tell me that. Maybe I don't have my instructions straight." So he wants to cause confusion as to what God told us and get us to violate God's law. At the end of every conversation, you can be stronger in God or you can be weaker in God. All these people that want to understand these preacher reality shows. This has always been my, my, my stand and it always will be. God did not tell us to go on television and show our personal business. I don't want to know nobody. I could care less how any of them live. You understand me? I don't want to know. Because what I need to know is what that gift can do to enhance my life. If that gift is not helping me, I keep it moving. You understand? And don't feel bad about it. You know, that's up to me. You know, God tells me to go and watch somebody, I'll go watch them. But for the most part, that that type of of you know viewing people doesn't entertain me. Period. You understand what I'm saying? I like the Duggars because they're a good Christian example. I watch them because of that, but I'm not at all uh, delusional that they don't have problems up in there. We just don't see them on the camera, and I don't want to see their problems. You understand? I want to see the good things that I can learn from it. You don't have to know everything about somebody in order to learn from them. You don't have to know all that stuff. But God didn't tell us to do. He said, what did he tell us to do? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I think for a lot of the money that's spent on that, look at, look at if they could send it to some persecuted churches somewhere, look at the good that it would do. You understand me? There's too much good we can do with the resources we had to be sitting up paying for people to follow somebody with a camera. You know, people used to talk about soap operas, you know, oh, women watching soap operas all day and, you know, that old stuff ain't no good. I said, no, there's something worse coming in a soap opera. When I saw reality TV show up, I said, that's worse than a soap opera any day. You got me? That'll send a lot of people to hell. And see, all we do is sit up and make excuses for the the wrong that we see these people do. We don't even know if they're saved or not. You know why? You never hear their testimony. You never see them in a spiritual atmosphere. You see them in the atmosphere that the the sponsors want out there because they paid their money to keep them on there and they want viewers. They don't care if you're edified. They don't care if if it's of God. They just want viewers so they can get somebody to pay the bills and make money. And so I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in merchandising the gospel at all. So let us support people who are really preaching and making a difference, doing the ministry that Jesus set here for us. You know, sometimes the word Christian, all the Christians will start watching it. They think just because it's Christian, they're supposed to watch it. It's okay. We need to think for ourselves sometimes. Use some discernment. That's what God gave it to us for. So the, the Satan's aim is to cause confusion as to what God has told you. 
and get you to violate God's law. You may see the questions as a mere point of discussion. See? We're flattered sometimes by attention. We are. And we're flattered when people want to talk to us. They engage us in conversation. We feel singled out and important, all that kind of stuff. So don't get yourself lost in that sauce. You understand what I'm saying? You stand up and you keep your keep your ears on and learn how to discern what's going on in that conversation. Because that's what the enemy wants to do to get you to relax your discernment and come down on his level. Huh? be a bottom feeder like he is Uh, you have to be careful what you support I don't care what it is you can support the person but don't support their wrongdoing huh you know you you see somebody on Facebook and and they just had a baby out of wedlock and they claim to be a Christian don't click your like button just keep scrolling you don't even have to pause and look at that just keep scrolling you have to like everything Huh? You know, I'm I'm on there like you are. I I look at them things and I say, well, I said that is kind of that kind of good. I'm not talking about that situation, but I look at some and you know you see some. But you know, if there's a minister on there, I always got a pose. I don't like that, so I just don't click like. I like that person. They're fine with me, but they're on there kind of kind of goofy to me. You got me. You don't want to be on there for people just looking at you all the time. And who cares what you got on the day? Go get in the kitchen and go clean it up and feed your kids and your husband. Set up there posing every day a different selfie. You know, there's more delusional people on there than real. It's the truth. All of those legends in their own mind. You know? Sometimes you can see questions as a mere point of discussion, but Satan has uses questions as a way to ensnare us. So there's always a motive behind every conversation. It's not just for conversing. There's a motive. Somebody calls you on the phone, you know, they may, may think, well, I, 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 I'm worried about this. I'm going to call so-and-so and such-and-such and talk. No, if they're calling for prayer, you talk to them. But you don't want to just call and talk to somebody. Especially when they got problems. They need to talk to God first. You know, if you've got difficulties or, or something is perplexing you, that, that is not that you can't call somebody for help. But you need to talk to God first about it. And if he directs you to somebody, then you go ahead and, and make that call. And keep it on a spiritual level. Just tell him, you know what, I'm, I just really need help with this. I need prayer for this thing right here. You know, I, I got to pray and, and get something. But you don't call anybody just for the sake of dumping your your stuff on them. You know, dumping your... God will tell you what to do about that situation. And if you need to engage somebody in conversation, then you do that. But be careful your conversations because they all have a motive. Sometimes we just want people to listen to us and reassure us that we're okay. That's God's job. That's God's job. Got me? It really is. You don't, you don't need me to tell you you all right. Uh, you all white, <laughs> as the girls used to say. As Jasmine said, you all white, bye-bye, you all white, Gigi. Uh, and she wasn't big enough to help nobody. 
and neither are your little friends. She always calls us. They ain't big enough to help you. <laughs> Questioning God's will for us is Satan's way of derailing us. Got me? He'll get you off the rails some way from God's plan. The enemy knows that the more we go to God when we have situations or the, the he see he's jealous of that relationship with God because his is broken. Yeah. Ours was broken and we got it back. Yeah. His was broken never to be repaired again. And so he's jealous of that, and he wants us to break fellowship with God just like he has. And so his aim is to keep us from walking closely with God and enjoying fellowship with God. What God tells you is never the devil's business. Amen. Amen. He don't have nothing to do with that. He can't help you in it. He don't have no good input. So it's not his business. So he has nothing to do with God's kingdom. He has no knowledge of it. But he knows people. You got me? He knows human flesh and he knows people. And he uses that knowledge to be able to ensnare us. When we need clarification on God's instructions... We need to go to God, as we said, not Satan or his emissaries. And he sends lots of people to get in your business. Mm-hmm. For example, <clears throat> oh yeah, go to God, stay in the word until you are certain of what to do. God will make you certain of what to do. Amen. If you are not certain, continue to do what you have been doing unless it's obvious to you. You know, you're under conviction that it's wrong unless it's obvious to you that it's not the right thing to do. But go to God. Let him settle these things. You can trust God. You never get too bad for him not to help you if you go to him. He helps all of his children. If he helped you when you were a sinner and got you saved, he'll help you now that you belong to him. Amen. That's covenant. See, you're in a covenant that he will never forsake. You know what forsake means? That means somebody's promised to help you, and then they don't do it all of a sudden. Why do we think God's like that? See? Seriously. He's already promised to help us at all times. He's a very present help in trouble. But yet we we shy away and we shrink back because we think somehow that's changed. It hasn't changed. It's changed on our part, but it hasn't changed on his. And see, sometimes the enemy will get you so steeped in what you did wrong and how you missed it. And you ought to be doing this by now. You ought to be doing, you know, by now you ought to be at the point where you don't need all this stuff. Well, I'm not there, so I need it. But God said he won't forsake me. He won't have me down here looking to him for help, and then he dropped me. That's not God. He'll always help you. Always. And the sooner you go to God for help, the better off you'll be. For instance, friends will sometimes question us about God. This is the devil coming. Hath God said. And, you know, especially if you're the type who likes to share Christ with people and you engage in conversation with people, be careful how they engage you because you can be having a a normal conversation where they are innocently asking you 
for understanding of things they don't know. They, they, these are legitimate questions. And then all of a sudden a zinger will come in there. The devil gets in there. You've been having a fine conversation. All of a sudden, um, well, this church you say if you invite them, this church you go to, you have to go every you know watch the the words the devil emphasizes you know do you have to go every saturday yeah i do so i can have enough strength to deal with idiots like you you ain't living right i'm here to help you i need to be there i'd be there monday tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, friday and do it it was open just to survive a conversation with you you devil huh seriously Anybody question you? Listen, the devil likes people who who do things for God occasionally. God likes people who are devoted. He don't want no bulk. He don't want no. God say I don't have no occasional children. You his child every day, amen. So you need to be devoted to wherever it is he has you. He's involved in. So when people ask you these questions, they're not always looking for an answer, huh? Because they know they, the, the risk that they undergo to ask you something like that. See? They know they can anger you. You could chop their head off. Huh? You could decide you ain't a Christian today and really let them have it. Huh? It's risky for them. Amen. And they know it. But for them to go out on a limb like that, it must be very important to the devil to plant that seed of doubt in your heart for them to go out on a limb like that. And they know they need you for prayer. They know they need you for different things. All that stuff you've helped them in the past. And they throw something in their life. It's a high risk for them. Amen. So it must be very important to the devil to plant that seed of doubt in your heart. Amen. So these people are not always looking for an answer. But they want to challenge you. One of the reasons. This is what you always have to keep in mind. You know when you. And I'm not trying to get you on edge or paranoid about people. or, But don't ever get to be just friends with people. Be a Christian first. And, you know, you know what I'm saying? Be a friend of God first. And then, you know, you can love them. And love is not being buddy-buddy with people. You know, love is treating them the way you would like to be treated. And the way you, you know God wants you to treat them. It's, it's totally different than some of these little flaky friendships we have. Uh-huh. And don't be so insecure that you can't let people who decide they don't love God anymore and don't want to obey God anymore. Don't be so insecure you can, can't let them people just go on their merry way. Just watch them sail off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Have a bon voyage party, whatever you want to do. Going out party. Leaving the temple party, whatever. You know, pray for them, but you can't fellowship with people when they don't want God anymore. You, what's the basis for it? They're in darkness. You're just trying to, you're just trying to be right. You know, I found that with church people, there's something we just want to be right. I said someone so is my friend, they're going to always be my friend. How do you define friend? They're not living a life that's exemplary before God. You can't afford to be friends with people like that. Because many times we live so on the edge sometimes we don't even know how close to the cliff we are. And one more friend that you're loyal to 
that's backslidden and not serving God. Well, I don't know if they backslid or not. Were they in church for years? They gone now? One plus one is all the time. All the time. I see some of y'all mad at me now. Because, see, you're too insecure. You're too insecure to let God go of what left you already. You're still trying to cling to it because you want to be right. I don't care if you are mad at me. I'm going to stay saved. You do what you want to do. Huh? <laughs> you know, these things will sometimes, you look back, they will explain why you're not as blessed as you. Your blessings kind of boom, 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 boom. And they never increase and soar like they're supposed to. What are you connected to? What does your heart long for? What is your heart crying out for? It's just pride anyway. You don't want to be wrong. They'll ask you, do you have to go to church every Saturday? I couldn't go Saturday. Well, that's why I don't take you. Because you can't can't go. You already let me know you don't want to go. So you do what you do on Saturday. I do what I do on Saturday. Yep. But what you devote to God grows immensely. See, you can't afford putting your investing, your interest, your time, your mental energy, nothing, and try to make wrong people right. I want to get off of this, but I can't get off. You understand what I'm saying? What we are doing, oftentimes you are investing too much of your mental energy in trying to make wrong people right. Instead of letting them go and invest that energy in right people who are in your midst all the time. You got me? You know, uh, go to bat for your pastor who prays for you. You know, take a stand for that person. You know, if trouble comes in. Don't take a stand for somebody who's already decided they don't want you no more. Amen. They've rejected you and your God. So you need to get with people who... See, we stand in a place of trying to be right so much. We don't, you just can't be wrong about them people. Well, they nice people. You know, some of those people who are falling away said the same thing about other people who were. They're nice people. All them nice people. Make up your mind where you, where you are. You know, you make up your mind where you belong and get there. Amen. So what you devote to God grows immensely. You, don't, you can't afford time spent on wrong people, defending them, mental energy, all that kind. Of, you can't afford that. Amen. Amen. You're flattered because they ask you for prayer. Don't be stupid. Huh? Well, don't be stupid. They need to be praying for themselves. Amen. Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Number one, that ain't his business. She had no business talking to him. Okay, Not like that. When they had dominion, they were to keep those animals in their place, make sure they were fed, make sure they were groomed, all that kind of stuff. But as far as conversing on that level... You got me? There's a level that we're allowed to converse with with everybody. 
you need to find out what that level is. You got me? I used to sometimes joke with people and say things that, that were naughty things. And I said, if you tell somebody I told you that, I'm going to tell them I didn't. You understand what I'm saying? But I didn't do that often, and I do it less and less. You got me? But I <laughs> yeah. But you know, we have to learn how to, and I try to be respectful. I don't disrespect people in conversation. Like if some people, I can just talk to them. And I don't have people like that around me. They're not people you can talk any kind of way to, and you shouldn't want to. So never answer the voice of doubt with an explanation of what God told you and why. Even if that doubt pops up in your own mind. Well, I wonder if God really said so and so and so. Well, God said this. I'm going back to the word and get it confirmed. God confirmed this to me. And don't keep mulling over in your own mind, back and forth, back and forth, back, doubting, always doubting, always trying to, you understand what I'm saying? Don't waste your time doing that. If there's a, 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 a thought that comes up that's trying to exalt itself, you know what I'm saying, make it the top word in your mind and get you to cast down God's word, you reverse that. You cast down the word, of the, that word of doubt, and then you start to exalt the word of God. You say, God, I know you told me this, and if I'm mistaken, help me to know exactly what to do. But I'm going to get rid of this doubt. You need to settle the doubt question once and for all. That needs to be settled. And so if you, you have people around you who are always trying to uh, put doubt on you and then pick at you because of your faith, you know the type of people I'm talking about. They do that. Let me tell you why people are motivated to step out on that limb and challenge you and ask you, you know, do you do this? Do you? And they know your habits. They know your spiritual habits. They know what you do. Uh, you know, number one, you got to realize that they're under judgment because of your faith. And you don't have to say anything to them. The Bible says when he, the spirit of truth, comes into the earth, he will judge, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness. So you'll walk and judge everywhere you go. Because he's doing his job in you. How do you think people get saved if they don't know that what they're doing is wrong? I thank God he told me what I was doing was wrong years ago and I thought I was happy. Then I was unhappy and didn't think there was any help for me. I was glad to know it was something that I was doing and I had the choice to stop doing it. Amen. And God would help me. You know, people say things like, well, you don't have to stop doing nothing. All you got to do is confess you're a liar. John the Baptist says, show me some fruits of repentance. Bunch of snakes and vipers. Come on, think you're going to sneak into the kingdom just with a confession. That's why we got preachers on the Internet making videos threatening to beat up each other and exposing each other. Something's wrong somewhere. When you saved, you don't do that. There's never any call to do that if you're a saved person. But see, we're good at at letting people just make a confession and they never change. Are you kidding me? John the Baptist would fry them right where they stand. He said, who's told you to escape from the wrath to come? That's not repentance. That's just a get out of jail free card. 
And we've passed out a lot of them in our desire to see people saved. But saved people change, baby. They quit fornicating. They quit smoking dope. They quit. You can't smoke dope with the Holy Spirit living in you. You kidding me? So these people, you know, we had these little co-workers that want to always pick your brain about. I, I just want to ask a few questions. Let me give you something to read. Don't ask me no questions until you listen to this tape. That'll stop a lot of most stupid questions. They're not asking you anything. It's the devil trying to put doubt in your walk with God. Pull you away. Why? They got to do something to get out from under the judgment. And they know they don't feel that way until you show up. What the Bible said, it says, Noah, now if you don't believe this is true, it says he condemned or passed judgment on the whole world. He didn't go around telling them people, oh, you're going to go to hell, you better straighten up. He just started hammering nails. So you don't have to be saying anything to anybody. Just going about your business, living for God. And they're under conviction. You kidding me? (laughs) But if you don't see any change, guess what? They ain't changed. Now you can believe God's working on them. You believe all you want to. But John the Baptist didn't put up with it. He said, you show me some fruit. Meet for repentance. And I show me you, you're ready to make this change. What did you quit doing to honor God? Huh? I remember God would just bring people to me supernaturally. You know, he still does to a degree. But when I was a newer Christian, he would just supernaturally bring people to me. And, and I would have them pray the printer's, sinner's prayer. And the Holy Spirit would move me. To ask them, is there something you know you're doing now that God does not approve of? And we need to confess it to God and he can help you stop doing that so you can live for God. But see, many people pray to prayer, go back to living sinful because nobody ever told them they can be clean. And when people want that prayer prayed, they know there's something in them that's not right and they need to get rid of it. huh? That's why a lot of people put you off and say, I'm not ready to change yet. Huh? Well, you will be. <laughs> we keep praying. But you will be one day. You got me? But if they're really repentant, they'll, they'll be willing to let go of it and glad to let go of it because they know it's standing between them and God. We let too many people have a free ride here. So never answer the voice of doubt with an explanation You don't explain to doubt what's going on in your life. Verse 2, the woman said to the servant, we may eat of the, that's where she made her mistake, was engaging him, considering what he said, and engaging him in further conversation about it. Whenever doubt comes to you, that is a foreign voice that you cast down immediately. You don't have to sift through your motives and sift through your mind to figure out when did God tell me, uh, what date did he tell me that, how long have I been waiting, am I waiting too long, is he ever going to do it? Don't go down that road, you got me? 
many of us go down it because we're just so trained to doubt ourselves and we don't know how to stop ourselves. But you stop it before it gets started real good. You got me? When that doubt starts to creep in and challenge what God's told you, never answer the voice of doubt with an explanation of what God told you and why. Amen? She, he said to the, she told him, verse 2, We may eat of the fruit of the garden, trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she is telling the devil too much information. The less information you tell the devil and his people about why you do what you do, the better off you'll be. Say somebody questions you about going to church what they think is too often. They don't go at all. Remember that, okay? They don't go at all. They think you're going too often. Huh? You start explaining to them what you're doing and why you're doing it, and all they do is get ammunition from you to come at you differently the next time. Oh, you think that if you miss church once or twice, you're going to go to hell? Is that what they tell you over there? Huh? You know what? I might. Because I know this much. You miss once, it's easy to miss two. Huh? You miss two, it's easy to miss three. It gets easier and easier to stay away the more you stay away. You ask any backslider. You ask yourself. Sometimes you can be sitting there thinking to yourself, you know what, um, I, I'm, you know, church is going on, but I'm doing this and this and this because, you know, it's a, a, a emergency or a family reunion that's important. You start telling yourself those things consistently and see if you don't get a, oh, uh, they're having a, a fire sale at Kohl's this weekend. I got a 40% off coupon. They never give them away. I think I'm going to go over there and I'll just come when, when church is, when, when this is over. I'll get to church. I might be a little late, but. You have to start making excuses to yourself for your disobedience. When, when the devil gets you to do that, when you start excusing yourself for things that you know you do consistently because they help your life. Now, if you don't know church helps your life, then you really are in darkness. You need prayer for sure. You know what I'm saying? You got me? You don't go because it's a habit anymore. You, you know, you don't get anything out of it. You've got to show up. Don't let the devil play your head like that. You got me? You go because there is a grace to get you there every time services you got me there's something pulling you and motivating you to get up and go because you have a place there and you know you belong there that's why you go because you're led by the spirit of god to be there you start breaking that and you start breaking it consistently and pretty soon you start you're going to start making up excuses for why you don't do that anymore once you excuse yourself, it's easy to quit doing it, period. You got me? It's hard to get back into a routine once you've broken that routine. 
You need your need prayer needs to be God protect what you have entrusted to me for my spiritual benefit. Just commit it to the Lord's hand and he will protect that for you. Listen, I wasn't a preacher and I never miss one of them women's Bible studies. You know, and, and, you know, you go there and you had to listen to everybody's problems all the time. And, you know, back in the day, I could shoot my husband. So I got sick of listening to them husband problems. And I want to go get him in the back of my car and say, let's go shoot that. Show him. Well, I show him who Jesus is for real. You understand what I'm talking about? I had quick, easy solutions for what troubled everybody. But I went and I, and I listened and I was a good girl and, you know, I made them devils quit back talking to me about everybody's problems. You know what I'm talking about. Now, when you're there, you're there for a reason. If nothing else, I was there to get my attitude straight about minimizing everybody else's trouble that they were going through. I was just jealous because they was getting all the attention and I had my problems I want to talk about. <laughs> Give me the mic. You understand what I'm saying? But I kept going. Why? Not because of what it turned out to be when I got there. You don't go for what it's going to be like when you get there. You go by faith knowing that God wants you there. He's trying to build something in you. He's trying to put a discipline in you to be consistent with him. The Bible says Jesus went to the synagogue every Sunday. It was his custom. It's customary to be in church on when church is service time. You know, Sunday for most people, for some people it's other days. But that's customary. He didn't say he got nothing when he got there. He went because it was his custom, not because he enjoyed the teaching. There are many people who are in churches like that, where they have a program that lasts 90 minutes, two hours, you know, they can't get much in that period of time. I know because we've tried it before. We had little, uh, we had to rent uh, space and rooms and schoolhouses. They rent it to you by the hour. We never took more less than four hours for a meeting. You can't do much. In, you got to pray too and teach people the word. You can't do that in, in an hour and a half. Can't do much in an hour and a half. Not this God. So you don't answer the voice of doubt with an explanation of why God, what God told you and why. That is not how you handle doubt. Doubt you cast it down. Amen. Many times people get disturbed when they feel called to ministry. This is one of the big, big hangups that people have where the voice of doubt can rob them of what God called them to do. Period. You know, did God really call you to preach? You really an apostle? That's the big, big name nowadays. You think to yourself, well, yeah, I got a prophecy from three different people, but what did God speak to your heart? Huh? What's He speaking to you on the inside of you? God will speak to your heart and confirm and establish a truth. You got me? When I was Younger in the ministry, before we set up churches in different cities and, and, and did the work of an apostle, you got me? 
you notice I don't carry that title. I call myself that. I just, you know, I used to be just Barb. And people, what do we call you? Just don't call me late to dinner. You know what I'm saying? Because there's going to be something different every time y'all talk to me if we keep this up. But anyway, uh, uh, there was a voice that used to come to me whispering, saying, you're an apostle. And I said, you know what, God, if that's not you, make that voice stop. And the voice stopped. But I still am an apostle of God. You got me? Some voices can tell you things that are true. See, when God informs you, it's time for you to be informed. The enemy can see your gift, how you operate. He can see how you respond when he challenges you, and he'll know who you are. Sometimes long before you do. So if it's not time for God to inform you of that, sometimes the devil will want to tell you prematurely to get you to step out into it before you're really equipped for it. Huh? You have to know who you are, spiritually speaking. You've got to know what that gift is like and how that gift operates and what that gift does in order to step into it. I'm talking about gift. What's already on the inside of you? Huh? You have to be familiar with those things. So if prophets are telling you, is that the same thing as God telling you? May or may not be. God will speak to your heart and confirm and establish truth in you. He will do it. If you're an apostle, apostle ought to show up at some time. If you're a prophet, prophet ought to show up at some time. If you're an evangelist, evangelist ought to show up at some time. Most people um, will have some type of evangelistic history just as a believer if you're called. So you've got to perfect in the believer's ministry before God will call you to an office. You scared to go out and, and speak to a stranger and God's going to put you in, I saw myself in front of a sea of people. Well, go talk to that person in the supermarket. That's, that's one little fish in the sea. See what you do with that. Apostles tend to have this operating in them, and I'm going to get this away free for people on Facebook that think they're all apostles. They tend to have a thing in them that scares people because it's fearless in the face of adversity. You got me? It comes to life when there's trouble. And even if trouble is giving them trouble back, they come back for more. They kind of tend not to wear out. Mm -hmm. Now, if everything's nice and peaceful, they'll go to sleep on you sometimes. You got me? Because the gift doesn't operate a lot of times. Real, You know, I mean, it's everything's cool. Why should I get involved with something? You know what I'm saying? But but that gift tends to lend itself to warfare. In fact, that's one of the definitions of the word. The Greek word for apostle is warfare or the apostolic anointing as it pertains to warfare. And so apostles have to be willing to. Apostles don't use true ones, don't usually care what people call them title wise they're just interested in the work 
you know, getting the work done. And they're work-minded. You get sick of them talking about the work. You understand what I'm saying? It's, you know, it's just that way. They're, they're that way-minded. They don't kiss up to other ministers because they don't really need them to do the work that they're called to do. You got me? In this respect, if God calls somebody to you, to you, and you know you need assistance, you pray for what you need. And if something comes and volunteers, you just ignore it. Because you can recognize that that's what you prayed for. You understand what I'm saying? Now, see, this seems cold to people. But, but just think about the places where missionaries go and get murdered and apostles go and stay there for 30 years and do the work and set up churches and everything. And you'll understand why that gift is necessary in the body of Christ. The Bible says when Jesus went places, he need go through Samaria. He needed to go through these places. They were hostile to him. They didn't want him there and it wasn't easy there, but it was a necessity for him to go to these places. And that's how apostles operate. They go by necessity, what God's telling them to do. We don't need your invitations. I don't need you to invite me on your talk show and then go and, and do videos behind my back about me on Facebook or YouTube. You got me? You just don't deal in those circles because, you know, you don't need that. All you need is God and a commission from God and a command from God because he's given you the equipment. You have total confidence in your spiritual equipping for these things. You got me? And you could care less about the size of the crowd. I mean, I want more people to come. Don't get me wrong. But is that going to stop me from doing what I do? Because, you know, it looks like it's, oh, it looks like it's not growing. Well, you can't see what's underground anyway, and neither can I. God gives the increase. You don't know where your crop is anyway. You know, there are seeds. These seeds were planted in the earth over 150 years ago that are just now bearing fruit. Some of the people that we honor now were considered to be false prophets, false apostles, not off the rails. And now we read their writings and say, this is the, the, the solution I've been looking for, you know, in my ministry. You understand what I'm saying? So you never know. When God says preach, he, said, he means preach. And not preach and count heads and not preach and count dollars and not preach and count nothing. My God. David, David got a whole bunch of people killed just by counting heads. And for us, we're not embarrassed by it. We're not ashamed of it. We just do it willingly. And we'll compare what we got with other people just to see how great we are. You're seeing everybody to hell like that. Apostles don't need denominational support. (laughs) Not denominational. You know, they want you to join up, sign papers. Send a financial report. You understand what I'm saying? I can barely keep up with what we need to keep up just to get bills paid. You understand what I'm saying? Don't ask me to do extra paperwork so you can snoop and see we ain't worth being you being bothered with. We don't make that kind of money so you can skip right over us, okay? And you got people... Preachers falling all over each other trying to get somewhere to be around somebody. Left God in the prayer closet 
and now they're killing themselves to get around preacher so-and-so. It's a sickness. It's a sickness. So you don't need denominational support. You don't need an invitation. Sometimes God will give you one to make it a little easier, but you don't need that to obey God. You don't need a private jet or a cush hotel. Amen. Apostles are sent by God and God alone. Huh? It's not wrong to have denominational support. Oral Roberts, but they came to him. The Methodist people said, it'll, if you let us give you credentials, it'll be easier for you to get around and do certain things. But was he a Methodist all his life? No, he just, at some point he had to break fellowship with them in order to obey God. You see what I'm saying? What they support, sometimes they want to hold down. The apostles' ministry is, is confirmed through signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. That's different from a title. They follow the apostolic anointing. The apostles' anointing will fall on others under their authority. So it is totally transferable. Okay. This is not about conversation, but it's about action and fruit. Amen. So this goes beyond your conversation that you had a prophecy that you're a minister. You know, now start asking God for some evidence. That's what I did. And it it wasn't just a believer's anointing. It was much stronger than a believer's anointing because I'd worked under both of them. And when the the ministry gift came, when the anointing came for that, it was different. Amen. Amen. It was different. That nobody can take away from you. So you go get that first, you know, and then find out what God wants you to do with it. Huh? The devil wants to engage us in conversation. To tell us what God says and to tell us that it's not so. So the devil always wants to put his spin on what God told you without him being there. See, that's why the devil wants you to repeat it so he can find out what you know God told you. Because he knows God told you something. You got me? devil probably watched Eve moves and he said, mm, she don't mess with that tree there. She act like she's scared of it. Maybe I'll pick at her and see why she's scared of that tree. Eavesdropping conversations between her and her husband, you know. Oh, okay. They say God told them they can't. Maybe I'll tell them they can. Huh? He usually does the opposite. You got me? <laughs> Everything God tells you not to do, He tells you can do it. You got me? <laughs> Amen. So we there are certain things we're not allowed to do in God. You can't do everything you want to do. You know that as Christians. But the enemy sometimes takes it from being a blessing and a protection to being a, a, a um, uh, you know something that that you're being um, deprived of. He'll want to get you to lust after certain things if he can and keep them at a distance from you if he can and and then make you think God's responsible for that. God lied to you. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to have this. He doesn't want you to have that. Amen. And so if the enemy can take what God intends for our good 
and make it evil, then he can turn us in our hearts away from God and then we we get into trouble and wind up disobeying God. He wants... This is one thing you have to be careful about entertaining doubt and, and letting your mind answer it back and forth. Is that the more you talk and answer questions, the less established truth becomes in you. So it, the doubt and the questioning and you answering the questions will tend to erode the foundation of truth that you're standing on. It does nothing to strengthen the truth of God's word that's in your heart for you to answer. You don't have to answer for God. He answers for himself. You got me? You don't have to defend God. He defends himself. You got me? He just establishes truth and everything else has to conform to it. So God doesn't answer a bunch of stupid questions about himself. We know that from experience with God. Sometimes you want to start questioning God about this, that, and the other, and you don't hear anything. Anything, in other words, go get in your word because this conversation can can derail you in a hurry. You know, you this is how you respectfully talk to God. You talk to him through his word. So the devil engages us in conversation for this purpose, to tell us what God says is not so. Doubt comes to us to tell us what God says is not so. He can put his spin on God's truth and spin it into a lie. Because he's the father of lies. That's all he knows how to do is lie. And he wants to infect us with his lies. And then birth lies on the inside of us. And then we go through life carrying out the lies of the devil. Instead of carrying out the truth of God's word. Because he knows we can carry either one. And if he leaves us alone with our relationship with God. So that we can enjoy relationship with God. And let that be strengthened. He can't do that. He can't. He can't, he can't anymore leave us alone and let us enjoy God's truth than he can cease to exist. Because he wants to infect us with lies about God. So what he did with, with the woman was he made her doubt that what God wanted for her was good for her. And this is what he does with us. He makes us doubt that what God wants for us is good for us. It's going to something ain't right here. So what he said when he talked to her and he says he comes up with an answer for her. If if doubt when the first the first conversation or the first uh, sentence that doubt speaks to you, if you don't cast that down, the second one's going to be devastating. You got me? Because you start answering that as though it's legitimate. You give it credibility. You give it uh, space in your mind and your heart. And you start talking to that thing. And you let that thing think that it can engage you further. And it will. And then it comes with the next one. But the next one is an explanation for why you are wrong and doubt is right. And doubt will tell you, like he told Eve. He says, oh, uh, he told you you were going to die. Oh, you're not going to die. He said, you won't surely die. Hmm? That word surely is a covenant with word, which God had said this to Adam and Eve. He said, if you disobey me, you have broken covenant. That's what the word surely means. Because you already have an agreement with me to obey me. 
and to follow me. If you break this covenant, then surely this follows because it is written that this follows immediately after that. You got me? So you die. And that's for sure. The devil probably understands this about God. God's merciful. You ain't going to die for real. That's why it sounds credible to us. There's a spin on it that has a grain of truth in it. Because Satan knew God intended man to live forever. And once God says something, it's established forever. So Satan knows that God says you're going to live forever. He's going to find a way to get you to live forever. So I'm going to tell this chick, you're not going to die for real. Huh? And that was true. Because you have a chance now to live eternally again. Now Satan didn't know all the details about it, but he knows the character of God. That's why he tries to to, to destroy God's character in our eyes. You can't trust him. He's tricking you. He knows the day that you eat of that tree, you'll be just like he is, knowing good and evil. And that part was true. Because when Jesus talked to the Father, he said he's like one of us, knowing good and evil. Who was the one of the Godhead that knew good and evil? Jesus, because he was slain from the foundation of the earth. So he tasted death from the foundation of the earth. He's the only member of the Godhead that knows good and evil. I'm telling you that to tell you this. That you can't play around with this rascal. Don't play around with him because he got more cards than you ever have in your deck. You understand me? And he'll play all of them depending upon what he knows that he can get you to, to do To give away everything God's put in you. He told her she would be as God. She already was like God. She was holy. She was and and there was there was one thing though that was lacking, and that was Adam and Eve's passing the test of obedience to make choices. So when God put them in the garden, he gave them instructions and they would have lived happily ever after. But there was a a part of God's character that was missing from them. See, if you can only do good and you can if your kids, wouldn't you love it if your kids could only obey you? I'd have it made. They serve God. They do everything right. But you know something about them and that is they have what? The power of choice. They can choose to obey mom and dad or they can't. And if they can choose to obey you, then you will be sure of their love for you and their understanding what you tell them to do because they pass the test of choice. And that was the last test they had to pass before they would be totally like God. As long as they were just in the garden, just doing what they and had nothing in that garden to challenge God's word and God's law. For them, God's law was kind of senseless because he's got laws written saying you can't do this. If you do this, it's sin. If you do that, all of that's wrong. That would have meant nothing as far as mankind was concerned because we wouldn't have the ability to do any of that wrong stuff until we choose to do wrong. And so the power of choice is what makes us most like God because God chooses. He's got a mind that decides. He's got a mind that judges. He's got a mind that understands. He's got a mind that 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 protects holiness 
and puts down righteousness. If you don't have the power of choice, you can't do any of that stuff. You're just walking around here doing what you're told. Cool, but not like God. God knew what he wanted out of man. And he was determined to get that out of man. And even though we failed that test in the garden, he found a way because his intent was us for us to live forever. And he always goes with his first intent. He never changes. Never changes. He threatened he killed everybody on earth except for eight people. Huh? He's willing to scrap what's not going to help the earth. You got me? Just like these people that we see out here sinning every day. If we don't go out and tell them about Christ, they will be scrapped. You got me? And that's the truth of it. But we can make a difference for them if we know how to stay with God and stay true to God. And see, the devil will twist God's word. He'll twist God's intent. He'll twist all of those things to us to get us either to slow down and think too long about obeying God. Huh? Till you wear yourself out and then you're scared you can't get up and do what God told you to do now. It's never too late. Never. I don't care what God told you to do. It's never too late to, to, do, to do what he told you to do. So the enemy does that to challenge our credibility, challenge God's credibility. He wants us. He keeps working at us till we see things his way. And the woman was finally worn down and persuaded. Amen. Every time that she's believed until now, she's believing a lie about God. God is not only God, but he's good. Amen. And so the enemy will make us think that God is not good or that we can't please God. He's such a hard taskmaster that you can never please him. All you got to do is believe God to please him. That's pretty simple. Amen. So she judges God a liar after this conversation with the devil. Anytime you have a conversation with anybody and you come away thinking God hath not said. In other words, I've been standing in faith, believing God for this for years. And I find out he's not going to do it for me. That itself is a lie. Amen. God's a God of integrity. He said, if you hope in me, you say anything too, too much about faith right there. He said, if your hope is in me. See, God supplies the faith. If you want something, God begins to work on getting the faith to you and getting you over into faith if you'll stay over in there. So it's not like you you got to come with all this great stuff to impress him before he'll do something for you. You see every interaction Jesus had, even when Pilate was getting ready to, to judge against him and see him nailed to the cross. He's trying to tell Pilate, just dig in your heart and you can see who I am. Got me? Trying to lead people into truth the whole time. So if he can do that for a sinner who's getting ready to murder him, think what he can do for a child of God who's obedient. Huh? I don't care if you don't do everything right. Who does? You're getting up every morning thinking about God and wanting to serve him. That's good enough for him to get you started with. He can work with that. He's worked with that for years for people. Amen. Even people get up on the wrong side of the bed. Don't want to have, don't want to talk to God this morning. I ain't got any, I don't care if you do give me coffee, I ain't going to talk. You know, that kind of stuff. He work with you too. He don't care. Huh? 
he'll let you know somehow he loves you. Somebody will come up to you and hug you. And you just say, well, I was just thinking about you this morning. <laughs> I miss He knows how to get you. You ain't that tough. You understand what I'm saying? But but the enemy, half God said, watch yourself with that. If you feel like it's taking too long, that's where we all get it. Too long for God to do something for you. Don't ever doubt he wants you to have it. Huh? If the way you want it is not clean, he'll take it and clean it off for you and give it back to you. The way you're supposed to have it. He's a merciful God. Now, if it belongs to somebody else, he ain't going to let you have that. he tell you, get on your little rusty knees and get, get a vision of what I have for you yourself. And I'll get you what I have for you. It's yours, you see. And so God wants us to know that we can trust him. He is a God of holiness and integrity, and he will not disappoint us. Amen. Trust him. Don't doubt him. Amen. Trust him. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and understand is that this is a mercy season. Amen. Uh, not just you receiving all the time, but you sowing mercy. Amen. So this is a mercy season. This is where I am compelling my people into situations where they must sow mercy into the lives of others, says the Lord. And many of my children are perplexed at uh, situations that they're in that don't seem to change and don't seem to uh, uh, be uh, to their liking. But he said, who else am I going to use? It's for you. This is your season to sow mercy. Those who sow mercy will obtain mercy, says the Spirit of God. And and mercy will bail you out of many woes and many troubles that the enemy may have planned for you, says the Spirit of God. Mercy is its own reward. Mercy brings peace. It brings hope and encouragement. It brings opportunity. All of those things, those things must be sown in the earth that I might have the harvest that I'm planning for. And my people in this season, you're called to sow mercy. Go the extra mile. Stretch out. Allow yourself to be stretched. And as you sow mercy, mercy will come back to you, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord's saying, I will give you endurance like you've never had before, says the Lord. I will give you grace and endurance to go and do and to plant for a harvest in your future. Says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is saying this. He says that, uh, he says, my people are, are selective in what they listen to. And what they hear, says the Lord, there are certain people that only like certain messages. And, and he said, that's not my design. I, I assigned you to understand and know my full counsel. But people tend to gravitate toward that that they desire for themselves. And so the Lord is saying, I have to pull you out of those situations sometimes and have you focus on what I want for you to do just to balance your life out. So what the Lord's saying is... It's been too much of people having what they want down here. And there are others that have needs. And I've always called my people to fulfill needs. 
says the Lord. So this is, so for some of you it's a new thing, and that's why it's difficult. But God says, I'm with you in it. Uh, but know that this is your season where you are to sow. And sow mercy, because mercy is what's needed in the earth today, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Those who sow mercy will obtain mercy in the favor of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and on. You are.